Hey, it's me, Rasan. I don't know, man. Huge hole in my, you know, yeah. <laughs> understanding. Just, my fellow Americans. <laughs> Probably are you. As long as you're, whatever you're doing doesn't hurt anyone else, I don't care. Different perspective of what an interesting topic is than I would assume. This is Balance Exchange. All right, hey everybody, welcome back to Balance Exchange. It's Cronus once again here with Baba Bear. And today we're going to be discussing uh, not just one topic. So we're going to actually start by going down the top 10 things that I think we need to change in our government. And then maybe we can decide amongst that one to talk about a little more. But I think even just covering these 10 in a quick briefing uh, will be enough to cover us for a little bit of time. So at this point in watching our videos, you may or may not know that I am an active duty United States Marine, and I've been doing this for 20 plus years. So I know that um, it's really important for me to make sure to get this out there. If it's your first time watching this, please stick around and make sure you understand the disclaimer. If you've watched a whole lot of our episodes so far, feel free to go ahead and jump ahead to the new content. Um, so what I need to talk about today is that I am not authorized and have no way of being approved to speak on behalf of the Marine Corps. So any opinion that I give or any concept that I discuss today is the position and the opinion of just me, myself, just a man who has a bachelor's degree in political science and a master's degree in leadership and organizational management and has spent my whole life looking at government structures and social contracts and how these things are supposed to work, what the philosophies and things behind them are, and read a lot of books on that kind of stuff. And it's definitely one of my personal and key passions. And so when you hear me maybe give a position or a concept on something that is only my own position. I am not a public affairs officer for the Marine Corps. I am in no way giving what the Marine Corps' official position on anything would be. And honestly, a lot of the topics we're going to cover here, I'm pretty sure the Marine Corps doesn't have a particular position on. Um, so if you do have any questions about what the Marine Corps' policy on certain things could be, you can definitely research that and find those out um, or leave a comment or send us a message. Uh, if you can get a hold of us somehow, we can maybe be able to answer those questions for you. So with that said, let's get you back to this week's content. Yeah, I think I think that this is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, because we talked about it a little bit this week, and I think you were trying to help me get some inspiration because I was like, what are we talking about? Yeah. And um, <laughs> it, one of the things you said was like, you know, hey, I, I mentioned that I hope to someday fix some issues with the way our government's set. And you said, well, what are those issues? I was like, ah, you know what? I'll sit down and think about it and maybe pick one. And then I figured, you know, it'd be nice. Let's, this will be our first top 10. Let's do a top 10 list of something. <laughs> so nice. this will be the top 10 things, Papa Bear things that the United States government needs to do to like get itself back on track. Cool. This, this would be great. So we're going to do once again, what's a tradition now on the podcast is uh, what are we drinking? <laughs> okay. And this yeah. one's going to be a, uh, it's going to be kind of lame, unfortunately. <laughs> so I'm drinking. Uh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I'm drinking uh, LaCroix, basically. I'm drinking the lemon. Oh, not lemon. It's like the key lime LaCroix with like added water okay. and some ice. So, <laughs> so uh, Cindy, Mama Bear, bought me some um, like carb smart ice cream. Nice. Um, so that maybe I can have some ice cream while I'm on keto. Um, and so looking at it, it said that the, it had still had a good amount of sugar alcohols. So I specifically checked which kind and it's sucralose. So the oh, problem with sucralose is yeah. for some people, some people it causes insulin spikes for some people it doesn't. And so the only way to know if sucralose for you is something that could work for you on keto or not is to try it. 
right? So, so I, I had checked my, my ketones and my, my um, glucose right before dinner. So I knew that if I took, had some ice cream, waited a little bit, and then checked it again, um, I could tell if it spiked it. It made me, my glucose go high. And it didn't. It actually like, didn't change at all. Nice. So for me, sucralose seems like something. So I can actually have this ice cream every once in a while, which is nice. Nice. But then I checked my stuff right beforehand, so I decided I was going to break what we decided, and I'm going to have something. <laughs> all right. What are you drinking then? <laughs> but what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you decide. So I grabbed two because I always drink one. Oh, I love these. So I got an original lemonade, and I got a mango. The mango one. Yeah. Mango first. Yeah. All right. Because I know I generally get through one while I'm talking, and I'm going to need that second today. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the um, Lemonade Trulies. I haven't had them for a while, but yeah, I'm a big fan of those. Um, we did a barbecue with some friends on Saturday, and so I was while we were at store picking up things, I was like, I'm going to have a drink or two tonight. Nice, nice. Yeah, so um, normally I do drink on pretty much all my podcasts, but um, unless it's like mm-hmm. Sober October or like a, a couple weeks after SF Beer Week, because then I'll you know settle down. But... Um, we had a drunk cast last week and I had a serious medical issue that I had to deal with. Uh, my pancreas kind of went into fucking shock. So I was like screaming in a bathroom for a while. <laughs> I was just like, all right. Um, it happened to me twice in, in a week and usually I have that stuff under control. So I was like, you know what? Maybe lay off the booze for a while and maybe hop back into keto. So I'm back into ketosis and, nice. um, let my body just kind of heal for a little while. I think I'm going to get down to like 170 and then maybe I'll add some booze back in. So, but for now I'm boozeless. Yeah. And you know, I think so. I don't know if you, what I'm doing right now is pretty much none other than tonight's like on our podcast. I'll have a drink, and that's still not going to be enough to really, really break it too bad. I'll I'll be able to jump right back to keto tomorrow. So yeah, especially if you know, I mean, with truly, you're, you're fine because there's there's no no are low carbs. I think it's like yeah. less than four or something like that, right? Um, I one other thing before we do start, have you you saw this shirt? Right, I wanted to kind of show off my shirt. Oh, vision, nice. So this is my. Uh, Right? Yeah. So this comes from New Rockstars. They um, a pretty cool YouTube channel that uh, does a lot of like oh, I totally messed up this camera. <laughs> All right, they do a lot of really cool like breakdowns on Marvel and Star Wars and all this stuff. And so their new clothing line that they've got um, each time like a new big thing is coming out, mm-hmm. they start an exclusive line that only runs for a certain period of time with only a certain number of shirts. So it's kind of an exclusive shirt for while WandaVision is just getting started, and they'll sell out and they won't sell anymore. So nice. they go into the vault and like, you know, get them. So I've got the one from Mandalorian from the last one. This is the second series they put out. There is a second shirt. So this one, they did make two shirts. They made a, a Vision and a Wanda shirt. So you can pick nice. which one you want to get, which is kind of cool. That is pretty so cool. I, was, I wear it every Friday. So I'm wearing it tonight, knowing that it's going to be showing on a Friday at some point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where are we going to hmm. start with this? Your, your top 10 list. Yeah, so top 10. All right, so number 10, we're going to say that no more direct campaigning is allowed by presidential candidates, right? You don't even campaign at all. So you would set a baseline. We would say whatever the percentage of members in the House, right? So we Mm -hmm. say this House, which will be something we'll talk about later and is technically actually something we've already talked about. Um, Once you reach a certain percentage of seats in the house for any given party that's available in the, in the country or whatever, then you've made it and you are, your party can now provide a candidate for this presidential election. Right. And then what would happen is then the States would run a popular vote for electors. So each district can um, recommend electors and they choose them themselves within the state. Those electors go to the Capitol for two weeks that two weeks is the only time that those candidates 
can actually campaign. And the only people that they're campaigning with is those electors. That's it. They go, they meet them, they talk about politics. Like they would probably have like a platform. They would discuss what their position on things were, probably have a debate so that those people who are electors could choose. Um, those electors would have to be non-party affiliated. So if you've been a member of any political party for any period of time, you're not eligible. So they're non-party affiliated uh, people. So they then are choosing just based on their interaction with those candidates over the two weeks where they would spend a lot of time with them, um, have interviews, do all this other stuff, basically try to decide for themselves who the right person would be. And then they secretly cast their, their ballots based on, you know, then that would be kind of what you call the electoral college, right? And then we get a president off of that. That would be number 10. That's very interesting. That's, um, that's sort of how the UK works, isn't it? Like basically you, the, the party is the one, like you vote on the party and the yeah. party is the one, the, whoever's at the top of the party, that's who becomes president. So it's sort of like it, but not really. Right. So basically whichever party is the majority party for them, um, they then get to decide kind of like the way um, House of Representatives is where the, the party that's in charge of the House, they get to choose who the Speaker of the House is, right? It's not like um, they're voted on. It's just something that internal to the party. They say, hey, you're the senior member who's here and a part of our party, and we would like for you to be our head person for our party uh, and, and in charge of the House, basically. Um, but instead for them, they become the prime minister. So they're the one who then also is like the kind of executive separate portion can make some of the, the decisions on their own. Interesting. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting take on it. I mean, honestly, I, I've, I've lost a lot of faith in Americans voting <laughs> for the head person, um, especially given the, the limited options that we've had. So maybe, I mean, well, we're, we're only in number 10, so we'll, we'll that's cool. Yeah. Let's let's we see what your number nine is. It's probably what I'm going to say is probably going to probably going to be answered in later numbers. Okay. So maybe if not, it make make a note or something and yeah. come back to it. Um, so what you'll see as I go through these ten is basically a trend, um, and the entire goal is to restore the republic. Right, that's the big goal, and you can't do it in one thing of like push a button and say restore the republic. It's not it's not that simple. So there's a whole lot of things that we've shifted and maneuvered over time and through good intention and probably were fixes at the time and I think need some rudder steers to get us back on track for being a republic. And for this one, the reason for that is to have a different method of election for the executive portion for us, which is one part of our republic, than the others. Try to give each one its own kind of unique, twisted kind of way of doing it mm-hmm. so that it's really hard to manipulate the whole system by gaining control of one particular element. So that's the goal of this is to be one of those pieces of the puzzle to kind of change, change the dynamic of the way the system works. And, and we're doing a little bit of it now, but the popular vote is still weighing far too heavily in electing the executive right now. That's yeah. why I put this one in here. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I have a problem right. with the, uh, like the way that the popular vote goes too, because, you know, previous to, you know, these, last two or three election cycles i was just like oh yeah you know it's fine but now i'm seeing like all these people that are honestly to me they're, they're fucking crazy like i don't understand how they storm the capital and like they think that all these lies that were told to them are totally true i'm just like you're not living in reality and then it's like should these people really be really be voting but then that gets into a whole other issue of you know these are our rights as americans but it's just like yeah but we also had a bunch of crazy people storm the Capitol and they brought a noose, you know, they, they brought a, the gallows, you know, I'm just like, are you serious? Like, did we not bring a guillotine? I mean, we're, we're missing some stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was insane to me that all that happened. And then 
to see a whole portion of America still think that that was okay. And then have, you know, even people that are our elected officials that are still pushing this, this false narrative. And I'm just like, first of all, how do these people even get elected to, to power? And they're still pushing these false narratives. And it's just like, (laughs) some of the, some of the top 10 here also hope to fix some of those problems too. (laughs) Yeah. Cause when I, I was listening to, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene today because you know she they stripped away all of her you know appointments basically today and she gave like some weird speech about um her QAnon ties and then like talking about how the abortions is the number one thing that America got wrong that that was you know that's the worst thing America ever did and I was just like that you think that's the worst thing that America ever did was abortions like I mean that's to me that's that's insane like I, I could name five things that are way worse than that like, off the top of my head and that's what you think is the problem you know, with like America, ever, like the worst decisions we've ever made. Yeah, yeah. there's definitely some room for discussion. on. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the, top five. I'm not sure. Yeah, not, not even top five for me and probably most Americans. And it's just like, you know, I, I get that it on people's views could be against, you know, abortion. I, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's also not my right as a person to be like, hey, you know, you can't do that, you know, because that, that has yeah. to do with like women's rights. And I'm like, I'm not touching that. I don't even think dude should be voting on that. You know, that's something that should be voting on themselves. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the way I go with it, too, because it falls into the, the particular deeply seated parts of libertarianism that I follow, which is that, um, you know, it, it doesn't affect me directly. And the way I see that, despite my religious beliefs, you know, is that that's still that person's decision and an impact on their life. And most of the time it's a decision made that's probably best or a decision made of thinking about the future life of this child. Yeah, I think that's one of the issues that people have, you know, with, uh, you know, people on the right when they talk about abortion rights is that, you know, they don't want, you know, women to be able to have abortions, but they also don't really care what happens to the child after the child's born. And that's, you know, where, where I'm like, yeah, I mean, like if you can't afford a kid, if, if you're not set up in life to have, you know, a child, it's like, you know, yeah, I'm not for like late term abortions or anything like that, but it's like, hey, if you're not, if you can't provide this child with a, with you know, the life that you wanted, um, then why would you have a child? And then they also don't even make concessions about like horrific things like rape and stuff like that. It's like, I mean, come on, there there are things there are things that can happen to a woman that would make them not want to have a child. And you know, people will just flippantly say, well, if you had sex, you know, blah. blah. I'm like, come on, everybody makes a mistake. You know, um, let's not, you know potentially destroy other lives because somebody made a mistake it's like yeah i I get the mistake part but people just have like this you know black and and white thing some of those situations where it's outside of their control it's not something that they even had a decision in um to then still remove the that option from them for rights is not my decision to make in yours either yeah yeah. and i and i adopted a kid you know that's the reason why um she was adopted is because you know her mom she already had two kids you know, she's just like, you know, couldn't afford another one. She wasn't, she didn't have a lot of money. So I'm like, all right, you know, it's open adoption. You know, that's an option for some people, but I also don't expect somebody to, you know, to carry a child to term that they're not going to be able to see potentially ever again. Like that's, for a lot of people, that's terrible. And I, it doesn't make me feel good, you know, but that's a whole different uh, aspect of things that people don't want to think about. They're just like, oh, nope, no abortion. Once they're born, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, and we don't want to simplify the adoption process. There are more than enough people looking for children and not nearly enough good access to getting through that program. It's definitely a that's – a, that's a tight 
like noose type problem. It, it's one thing as soon as you start picking at it, it, it gets worse and worse the more you dig into that. Yeah, that whole process. Um, I don't want to derail the conversation, so let's. <laughs> no, no, it's good. I think I think it falls falls into some of these, and we can probably talk about them. That topic may come back or may not as we go. Okay. So then, let's see. Number nine, right? So number nine is that was number removing nine. income tax. No income tax. So this right? would be number tax. Hold on, hold on, real quick. Move it. Huh? This would be number eight then, right? The last one was number nope. nine. No? No, last one was number ten. But I thought the first one was no more direct campaigning for the president. Yeah, and that's the only one we've talked about so far. Oh, okay. My bad. All right. <laughs> we we sidestepped and kind of went into a sidebar conversation while still talking about number ten. No more income tax. Gotcha. Yep. So number nine. Uh, removing the income tax as a method for government fundraising. So, right, the government's taking money out of your efforts and your work, and, and we use taxes and we use tax benefits and breaks and all these other things as a way to incentivize behavior that we as a society say are good things, right? So, hey, you don't have to pay as much taxes on these things because those are things we think it's good for you to buy. But you have to pay more tax on this kind of stuff because we're trying to tell you, you probably shouldn't be doing that anyways. So we're going to make it a little more painful. So why is it that we are taxing people's work? Like, hey, this is a thing that you're doing that's a benefit to society. It's what we all expect everyone to do, which is contribute. But we're going to take some of your money away for doing that. So income tax is kind of a bad mental thing that makes you think, maybe I shouldn't make so much money. Maybe I shouldn't work so hard. And then I wouldn't have to get so much taken away. Um, and, and funny, like we were, um, we were just looking through the incentives uh, or the, the stimulus stuff and we don't qualify for any of it because we make too much money same here i haven't so qualified if I any of a little less i'd get this money but like that's not so it's because of that sort of the same sort of mentality that you'd want to remove that as the primary method and then establish a national vat tax um and then that would scale based on the actual individual value of the item that's being sold so like if it's a really really expensive item it would have a higher percentage um, VAT tax, so that way, if you're buying a yacht or a you know really really big thing, whatever it is, um, it's going to have a much higher percentage rate. That kind of offsets the if it's a single flat rate, where most very wealthy people don't spend much money uh, from their individual wealth on a very regular basis. It's a very small percentage, so you would never see the same percentage of their total wealth being used. But they do buy more expensive things, so you could kind of offset it by getting. Uh, the very large value things, like if you bought a Rolex, you're going to pay a much higher percentage rate than you would if you bought uh, even my Garmin, right? Yeah. But yeah, I totally agree with this one. Um, the income tax is ridiculous. The fact that they they get to take money out of your paycheck before you even get it is uh, <laughs> it's silly, and it doesn't um, it doesn't it, it does not promote uh, actually saving money or investing money because you're incentivized to really spend your money, especially when like they, when, every time they talk about interest rates coming down. Uh, most people that are not wealthy or, you know, even like lower middle class, they don't, they usually have savings accounts, right? Instead of investing their money. But every time I talk about, you know, reducing the interest rates, that knocks down the interest rates for your savings account too. And most people don't really take that into account. It's just like all these things add up, all these, all these small taxes. And yeah, I think that the, I think most people, if they took away the income tax and just like you said, had a VAT tax, which we talked about with UBI, I'm, I'm all for of that tax, um, it, I think it would promote actually people to save money and to invest their money a little bit more wisely instead of living paycheck to paycheck and not being able to really control, you know, your income. Because 
you know, once you go up like the the ladder, like you already said, it's like they they start taking out more and more and more. And like right now, like both me and you were in like this really weird in-between spot to where we don't get hardly any benefits from the government, like at all. But we're paying the vast majority of the taxes to the government. And it's like, well, why don't we get to get any of this stuff back? And even with these stimulus checks, like I didn't get any of them. I, I guess you're not getting any of them. Have you gotten any of them at all? Okay. It's the same deal. It's like, if, if I'm if I'm a contributing member to society, why can I reap the same benefits as somebody else can? It's it means testing um, for these for these programs is silly and it, it needs to stop. Yeah. So yeah, Cindy was saying too, like they uh, the Republicans want it to only be a thousand, and it's like currently at fourteen hundred or something. And I was like, it doesn't matter. We're not getting any of these. Yeah. <laughs> Even that, like, I mean, it matters because those who need it are gonna. The difference between four hundred dollars for them might be huge, and to the to the system, it, it wouldn't really necessarily take as big of a hit as I think, you know, a lot of people think it would be. But I understand that um, this is one aspect of like the Republican Party that every once in a while you hear about that is actually like true to where their position in that quadrant I talked about is supposed to be, which is they're supposed to be the ones who say, "Hey, let's spend less money as a government if possible." Um, so they're like, hey, can we make it work with this much less and think about it across the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that are going to get that $400? That's a, that's a big amount of money we can maybe cut out of the total budget. So I get what they're trying to do, but um, it just has to has to be founded in something. And I don't know that there's any math associated with it. Yeah, this could still work. $1,000 <laughs> might be enough. It's like, ah, Well, the, the really slap in the face thing is that we all know that when they come out with this bill, this stimulus package, like the vast majority of the money is not going to go towards the people. It's going to be incentivizing, you know, corporations to to go in a certain way, and you're going to see the stock market jump again. But it's like the people need the help. They needed help, you know, more than eight months ago. They probably, you know, almost a year ago they needed help when we first started doing lockdowns in like March of last year. They needed help then, and like to give them all these like small little breadcrumbs. Um, after all this time, after we literally told them, you know, you have to we have to go into lockdown. You can't work anymore if you're not an essential worker, and then to give them like not even $3,000 over the span of an entire year. Like, are you like, where in America can you live for that long off of that little, little amount of money? You know, I mean, parts of the system included stopping the requirement for rent and these other things. And that's probably part of why they argued, well, we need to subsidize these categories because we're telling all these people not to pay rent. Don't worry about it. You're not going to have to pay these other things. You still can't even survive on just talk about not forget about living quarters, but what about food and, water and fuel that you might need to go to those places like you still can't do that on three thousand dollars but at least the the huge number we would i I would picture in my head which would be like living space they're saying oh don't worry about that we're gonna say you can't charge rent you can't evict people but they still work but um so maybe they're trying to fix that part too but well well even when they just easier make it simple and put the right amount to the people and take care of it right yeah i mean even when they talk about you know stopping evictions for renters but okay but somebody still owns that house are you are, are you stopping their mortgage payments you know what i mean because people just assume that if you own a house uh, and you're renting out your property that all of a sudden you're a millionaire it's like no it's like people they're not all millionaires they're people that happen to have a second home but they probably don't they don't all make that much money you know what i mean and like how do you expect them to the property still in their name they still have to make a mortgage payment you know, and yeah. so what happens when the bank takes back the house? What happens to the renter? Like it's you know, it's a house of cards. Yeah. <laughs> I got my I got my vaccine today. My shoulder hurts. Oh, the COVID vaccine? Yeah. The second one or the first one? First one. Oh, okay. 
No, if it was the second one, supposedly you kind of do get kind of sick feeling, like yeah. you get nauseous and get a fever a little bit sometimes. Is it worse Eggs. than the anthrax shot? So it's it's about the same as far as muscle soreness right now, mm-hmm. but I feel like that it doesn't have that initial burn that you kind of get. You get that like sting that you kind of get as you feel it working its way in. Yeah, yeah. Not that bad. Definitely. It's just I didn't do enough pushing it. Right Although right I did in. go swim, so I mean I worked it out, so I guess it should be okay. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it'll go way faster and be fine tomorrow. Hopefully. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. I was like, start stretching. I was realized. No, it's all good. I get it, man. Like, I actually got, when I was on the Peloton bike today, I was like, I was kind of trying to push it. And then I was like, I kind of went towards near a PR yesterday. And usually I take like a kind of a low impact one. And then I was like, oh, but I'm also like getting into ketosis. So like I'm feeling over, I'm feeling like the gas tank switch over today. Yeah. And it's just like, once you try to push hard during, you know, doing that, it's like, man, your body's not going to work right for a couple of days. So. Yeah, we, uh, we were supposed to. Monday, I think, get up and go to the pool early, like first thing we're like five, and it would have been first day back after like the weekend, first day fasting after the weekend, like kicking the keto cycle back in, and I would have had to not eat until sixteen hundred that day too, yeah. and so uh, Donovan, a guy I work with, was like, "It's a good thing the pool will close because we did, we weren't able to go swimming." He's like, "Cause I was thinking about it afterwards, I was like, you would have been gassed all day just like." Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it couldn't have worked. That would my brain would not be there at all. So, we did get to swim today. Luckily, the pool opened back up. So nice. I do actually have to be there very early in the morning to record. Um, I get to do a bunch of camera work for some of the pool events, and so I got to be there very early too. But this is gonna be interesting day tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I always feel bad because I know you got to get up early, and we got to start these little little later in the day. So, Uh, and that's part of why I think maybe doing this top ten might not be quite as long of an episode as normal, but. I think we'll still kind of plus what it'll do is give us a platform to say, which of these things would you like to talk about in more depth? And I can do like a far more in-depth concept, like deep dive into each of the, whichever ones we think are, are more valuable to talk about, I guess. Nice. Nice. Okay. All right. Number eight. Um, Number eight. All right. So uh, return the election of like the national level senators. So those that go to the federal Senate, right? Mm Because a lot of the, um, state legislatures call it a Senate also, so I kind of have to make sure I'm clarifying that. Um, return that to a process that's determined by the state legislatures instead of by direct popular vote internal to the state. So um, there was a, bill, a law passed that, that made the states make it a direct popular election uh, for their two senators for the state. So the state just votes and senators get elected. Um, so tell them that they can... It's not a requirement to do popular vote, right? We're not going to force you to stop doing a popular vote, but come up with an incentive, like an encouragement incentive kind of thing, like we talked about with taxes or have there be a, a pool of campaign money or school funding or something else, right? You can receive these additional federal benefits if you do come up with a system that shows that it's not a direct popular vote. Like yeah. whatever it is that you come up with, let them be creative, make it so that it's a lot harder to just manage that system or manipulate it. Um, and if they can come up with something that's not a direct popular vote but also creative and gets them there then you can get that incentive whatever that is that we create i like rank choice that's one that's one of my favorites yeah that's a good one like uh what's it like basically um immediate or instant runoff same concept right yeah, yeah. rank choice becomes instant runoff yeah because because then then you really feel like your votes matter right yeah yeah because especially um it 
if you haven't heard of ranked choice voting, uh, I guess I'll break I'll break it down a little bit real quick. Um, so basically, yeah. in a normal like popular election, you just vote on one person, right? And if that person wins, you're good. If the person doesn't win, well, whatever. Yes. <laughs> you know, your your vote is gone. Um, but what ranked choice voting does is say if um, say you had three people that you liked, um, like who should I use? Like say you you liked uh, Trump, uh, Clinton, and then somebody else was on the ticket, some other president or whatever. Um, you could you know vote in that order: Trump, uh, Clinton, and then whoever else. And then if if Trump loses the the first round, then your vote then goes towards Clinton, right? And then if she loses, then your vote goes towards the last person. And so what it does is it can uh, combine things. So basically, it actually happened here in uh, San Francisco, where two uh, there was three people that were running for the mayor of San Francisco, and London Breed was supposed to be like the one that was going to win by a landslide. And so once the the two other people figured that out, they're hey, listen, uh, we realize that you know this person is beating us by a lot, but we don't believe in her, you know. Uh, like any of the stuff that she's talking about. So Which we're going to, co- yeah, none of our platforms, like they didn't like them at all. So they're like, they're like, Hey, we're going to come together and just make sure that if you're going to write, if you're going to have our name on there, just make the second choice, the other person, just not her. <laughs> so, and she actually ended up barely winning because of that, because I had ranked mm. towards voting. So, yeah. And I think, so, I mean, and that's where it really comes in big is if you're like third party and you vote for your third party candidate as your first, um, if if one of the others loses, then there's the potential that their second pick was your third party candidate also. Yeah. And if there were enough who picked third party primary numbers or whatever, and then enough of all of the rest of them chose their second person as the third party, they didn't get enough in the number one spot. And then maybe you have a third party actually end up in there. So it's kind of one of the things I like about it too. But again, I think in this case, because it's the Senate and I'm trying to not be as overbearing on it because we do want the states to choose on their own and these are their state senators like these are the senators your state chose you choose how to do it we just want to tell you we want this system this part of our system to not be as controlled by the direct popular vote the same way i'm trying to remove that from the president i want the senate to also be kind of removed from the direct popular vote as much as possible yeah i think it's going to be a running theme is like kind of get away from the popular vote (laughs) because that's been the running trend the longer and longer we've run this government is we've moved more and more towards direct popular vote for everything. So then all you have to do is control the mob. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's what's happened over the past, you know, a few election cycles. I mean, the, the fact mm-hmm. that you see the mob gets more and more aggressive um, and more and more radicalized or whatever. So that way it becomes uh, this more extreme ends and you just get the two extreme ends fighting, vying for that power. Yeah. Yeah. I agree on that. Yeah. And again, it's not, I don't know that these are, you know, the right solution, but I think that like we talked about the whole purpose for this is to start the conversation. These are some ideas. I'm not saying that it's hundred percent right. And I guarantee that a lot of them would take a lot of work to make work, right? Like you need a lot of detail. Um, but this is the concept, the general top 10 kind of list, you know? Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, really... it's good though. Cause you know, it's funny. Cause I got into like a conversation with a, a good friend of mine and I was talking about like, um, like ending the drug war. And he's like, "Well, you make it sound like it's so easy." I'm like, "Well, I mean, to me, it is. Like, we, we ended prohibition. wasn't wasn't that hard. We ended, you know, cannabis. You know, pro, uh, prohibition basically. That wasn't that hard." And he's like, "Well, it's all the stuff you got to do." It's like, "Yeah, I mean, I understand. There's all the stuff that that needs to be done, 
but I'm also I'm not running for office. Like if I ran for office, yeah, I give you like the whole long list of what I know needs to be done. But I don't need to go there and like convince a bunch of you know House members and senators to end the drug war because that's that's the first thing you got to do is like grease them palms, you know. But me just like yeah, I understand that it's a difficult process, but also understand that we need to start looking in this in this direction for like different ideas. You know, just don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because it sounds like it's it's complicated or hard. Yeah, I mean, so that that path, that position that people take with it is this is complicated. That's fine. But what we need to decide now is that this is a thing we need to fix because we can't start agreeing on the details until we agree that this is a thing at all. Right? Yeah, yeah. We have that conversation and say, hey, we want to end the drug war. And that's the decision. Like, put that in writing. Pen, done, signed, end it. Okay, now and in that you write the authority. Like, these people will figure it out. Yeah. Like, just go figure out what it is everything that you need to do and then get it done. But this is, needs to get done. Because that's how, I mean, that's how we do stuff a lot. Like, I'm just recently wrote up papers to be signed by a couple of three-star generals that they say, hey, look, yes, this is a thing. It's happening. I agree. We are going to make this thing happen. Now, all 400 of you who are working on this project, <laughs> figure out the details. Yeah. And we, it's just, you need them at first to say, yes, I am saying this is what we are doing. So that you can then turn to this other person you need to do something. Be like, hey, see, he said we need to do it, so we need to come to agreement on what this looks like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, and, and these, all these concepts that we talk about, I mean, we, we have the way our government normally operates I and mean, we have all these check marks, you know, and like all these balances and all this stuff that, that will, that that's what they're paid to do is to figure all this stuff out. It's like, you know, if you want to talk about doing anything, you know, like changing the way that we vote, it's like, it's got to go through all these processes and yeah, it's not easy, but you know, that's what they're paid, literally paid to do is to pass legislation. And this is part of legislation is getting stuff like this done. Yeah. And so first you have to make the decision to do it, and then you just got to do the work. Yeah. Okay. Where are we at? We said seven. Eight, seven. All right. Yeah. So number seven, we need to drastically increase the required number of civics classes that are required for high school. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to tell these 18-year-olds, go vote. And you had like one civics class in high school. And it was like probably the it was all about either the Declaration of Independence and like the War of Independence. And that has zero to do like you don't remember the the articles of the Constitution. You don't know how they apply. Um, don't know how things actually work, like by comparison to what the theories are and like what's actually happening today versus what was supposed to happen. Um, so civics classes that could teach government and what our responsibilities are to each other, especially with some of these recommended changes, like this stuff would all be included in that. These are your responsibilities as a citizen, uh, what it means to vote, how to vote, right? Like have a class that literally teaches you to gather the knowledge to be able to make an educated decision on this particular thing. And you could do it by state, right? So like they would need to show me how in Washington you either get a pamphlet in the mail, which is the way it used to be, or now you need to go to this particular website to check things. Um, hey, you got your ballot and it's got this little QR code on it. You can now scan it with your phone and it'll take you to the site to research the things like whatever that is today for the kids that are still in high school and about to vote next year, teach them how to do it. So that way they can become educated, contributing members of the voting populace. Yeah, I, I can't agree with this one more because there's people today that don't know like basic stuff. And I'm just like, like I keep hearing about, especially like the First Amendment. 
I'm just like, do you guys not even understand, like, what the, fir- the First Amendment is about, like, the government stopping you from saying, you know, pretty much, not not anything, not everything, because that's another thing, is that they, people think that the First Amendment thinks, says that you should be able to say whatever you want. No, it, it really doesn't. You can't say whatever you want. Like, we have protected speech out there. Like, we have hate speech. We have, like, if you think that the First Amendment applies everywhere, just walk into any airport and just say, hey, I've got a bomb. And see how fast your first member writes you thrown out the window. <laughs> so, unless you're Gabriel Iglesias. Unless you're what? Gabriel Iglesias. Did he do that? Have you seen that stand-up? No, no. <laughs> so, uh, all right, sorry. Side, sidebar, a little sure. joke piece. So he does this skit where he talks about he got super, 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 super drunk one night. Like, like bad, like drunk. And still had to go get on a plane to travel somewhere. And so his, like, handler buddy, he, like, takes care of him when he's out doing stuff is like escorting him to security at the airport, like trying to get him through. And he knows that basically when he's this drunk, he just needs to talk to him like he's a three-year-old. <laughs> and so he, he's like, Gabriel, you're an airplane. He's like, <laughs> he goes flying in so he can like swipe his arms and stuff. And then he's got to go, he's like going towards the, um, uh, towards the metal the detector. Metal detector right? yeah. And his arms are out. He's not going to fit through. He's a big dude. And he's like, Gabriel flaps down. He's like, Poof, puts his arms down, like walks his drunk ass through the, this metal detector and beep it goes off because he forgot the like handcrafted pocket knife that some guy at the bar gave him as like a souvenir from meeting and talking and being cool with him or whatever was still in his pocket he's like oh shit he like pulls the pocket knife out this is in australia the security guard looks at me he's like oh you're good mate go on he's like wait he gets pissed because he's drunk he's like why the fuck can't i be terrorist he looks at him he's like you ever seen a fat terrorist? <laughs> <laughs> he's like all offended, but he's like, God, Australians, man. <laughs> not care. They will be rude as hell. Yeah. Uh, you can just get through there, apparently, if you get booked. Yeah. I like Australia. Yeah. Like, you ever seen a fat terrorist? Yeah. yeah it's pretty rare. I've never seen one. <laughs> so. yeah, no, That's a good joke. That is a good joke. joke. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, learning. Yeah, so I mean, of the First Amendment, right? As we're, as we're talking about it, is to make sure that the government can't say you're not allowed to say stuff about the government. That's all. That's the whole reason for it is so that they are not able to tell you that you can't gather together and say, hey, what the government's doing, like we're doing right now, these particular things, they probably shouldn't be doing and we should fix those. Um, we are protected in this conversation, um, not just by the First Amendment, but for me particularly by that you know, disclaimer that you saw. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm in a different category where I do have additional rules and can't just trust the first amendment is going to protect me. No, it's definitely not. I mean, most rights don't apply to you because you're in the military. <laughs> so to be a part of the system that that thing is protecting everyone else from. Yeah. It's, it's very weird that that happens, but I, you know, I get it. I get it. Well, I mean, and that's part of the separation that we intentionally made, too, is that that government is civilian and I'm a military part. And those two are separate. We don't have a military government we, and we keep the two apart. So. Yeah. Well, and I think it's one of the things that took me a while to understand. It's like we expect our military members to be of like higher moral standards than the rest of the civilian population. Hence all these other rules. Because, I mean, we give our military members so much incredible power from like an individual level. Like what? When have you ever seen like an eighteen-year-old get in charge of like a million-dollar piece of equipment anywhere other than the military? Like it, it doesn't happen, <laughs> like at all. I mean, unless your father's like a billionaire and he stupidly lets you, uh, yeah, drive a yacht or a Bugatti or something like that, which is ridiculous. 
you know like those videos of the like the super rich kids it's like oh bugatti it's the wrong color i wanted the gold one have you seen those yeah yeah they're just they're just weak people I, yeah even my daughter that's ridiculous yeah they would not survive if uh if anything went down they'd be the first to go <laughs> especially when you got all the resources none of the defense all the what all the resources and none of the defense you know uh, so that was seven, which was basically saying we should make sure that our our coming of age population have some kind of a foundation in understanding what their responsibilities are to society and to each other. Right? Let's take. I, I have I, another good way that we can fix that, but I think that's number five. We might have to skip is it? one. Hmm. Well, tell me if this is the, tell me if this is the one you're talking about. We'll, we'll get to it in a couple. So uh, number six, number six, uh, we should require an examination to run for office. Yes, legit examinations. Right, you know how the government that you want to work in actually works. Like, how does this thing work? Take a test before you can even sign up for a thing. I agree. Um, this is actually, yeah, because obviously the last president didn't know how the government worked, like, at all. Like, he had no idea. And people are just like, oh, yeah, I liked him because he wasn't a politician. It's like, yeah, not being a politician is, you know, is good, but it's also bad mm -hmm. if you're going to be a politician. That's like you saying that, oh, I like the guy. I like my doctor because he's not a doctor. Like, no. you should probably know how to, like, you know, come up with a diagnosis on, like, what the fuck is wrong with you, right? Um, and, that, and that showed a lot, you know, with that guy. And then also uh, AOC, like, she didn't know the three branches of the government when she got elected. And I was like, this is, like, this is your job. Like, how, how does this happen? Like, you, this is what you're going to do. And you don't know the, the three main branches of the government? Like, that's very odd. <laughs> so it'd be like... AOC specifically, like in this particular context, right? So you get elected to either the House or the Senate, and you can write a bill. Any of us can write a bill, right? So, but yeah. you know that there's this thing you want done. So you work with some people, you write up a bill, and you bring it to the floor to get voted on. You're like, I want to get this thing voted on. We're like, no, bro, that's going to go to committee first. They're going to debate it first. We're yeah. going to decide if we even want to bring this to the floor. And you just didn't even know that. Like, th th there's extra time there and understanding those processes. But even just like you said, just the three branches of government. What? Who does what? Who, whose job is where? What are what are the, what are all of the cabinets that exist in the executive branch right now? What are all the different executive agencies that exist, and what are their purposes? How would you influence decisions inside those things? And, yeah, and I mean, so even if you just run for a, a lower level government position, you're going to run to be the mayor of a city. Like, what are your responsibilities? Yeah, you be able to understand that a little bit. I mean, if you apply for a job, you have to know all this stuff, right? Like your actual job. And don't get me wrong. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I pick on her just for that stuff. I mean, she's gotten she's gotten better because she's she's learned from her position. But it's also it's like, you know, I, I think there's something fundamentally wrong for paying somebody almost one hundred eighty thousand almost one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year, and they don't know what their actual job is, and like what what surrounds their job. But yeah, she has gotten better on like a lot of stuff, which is good. But I think this gets back to like the popular vote thing. I think her as a person, she she became like a celebrity because she was because she was young. Um, and, and I mean, she fire. had some, huh? And full of fire. Like a big part yeah. of this, I thought what she brought that we kind of needed to not that again, I didn't agree with a lot of what she said too, but I thought that the energy she was bringing to yeah. what was going on, there, like got people interested. And I thought that was a really, really good thing that needed to happen. It is good, but also like know your job, like how it, <laughs> how it works. Like you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> But I think so. So one of the and it's not on this list, but one of the things that um, action in the House or the Senate 
like she brought and like a couple others are bringing too could be something that made this list but I, I ended up not having it in the top 10 is that the big reason that the president can can seem to influence as much as they do is because they have the bully pulpit right they have this platform where people are always listening to whatever it is that they say but somehow we haven't created that around our house or around our senate despite the fact that they're where stuff is supposed to happen right so i should be seeing speeches from the house every day not from the white house that's my opinion but well, I, I felt like it fit the top 10 well i mean they do happen but i guess it, it's only it's limited i mean now i think now now more than ever we're seeing more and more of the speeches from the the house floor and the senate floor but traditionally like before this time like they weren't really like you wouldn't see that on like a cnn or like a fox news you see it on like a c-span or something like that you know or maybe Part PBS or something. Yeah, it's 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 C-SPAN worthy, right? It's procedural. It's all of the worst parts of reality. If you think about like shows like um, any of the like true crime procedural cop dramas, like um, uh, what's the one in New York? Can't think of it. Super know. popular, like uh, Law and Order, right? Oh, okay. So it's like all of the boring it would be watching in a whole episode of law and order where they didn't show any of the stuff they normally show in law and order but they show all the parts in between that they skip over yeah all the really boring stuff that's how watching the house is most of the time because it's so procedural and so slow paced it's not worth watching so like you need to know when those moments are and like capitalize on putting cameras in those places at those times when these decisions are made and advertise that information so that people can come and watch the important stuff but like all the debate that goes on for hours on end, very procedurally. Like you have, the, I yield the floor to the, like, oh my god, it's so slow. Yeah, yeah. But then you have people that make it like entertaining. Like I love watching Katie Porter. Like <laughs> you ever watch her like just break down these CEOs and just like, wow, all right. <laughs> yeah. So when when like the inquisitions I call them or whatever, but when those like the the congressional inquiries go, the, those are entertaining, and I think those do get the news more often than not. Yeah. Um, but it's generally not based on a decision about to be made, right? It's usually no. someone came to the floor to talk about a thing because they wanted to bring something to the attention of Congress that is not directly tied to a law or a bill or anything else that's about to be signed. It's just, hey, here's this topic we wanted to talk about. Yeah, like when they bring up like the tech CEOs, I'm just like, why are you guys doing this? Like you're, you're, you're crapping on these guys, but it's like you could literally just, I don't know, legislate some shit. If you have a problem with, with, with what they're doing, like what you're, you're questioning them and you have no idea how the internet works, <laughs> you know, it's like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Try trying to maybe, maybe it's so they can get a better understanding before they make a decision or go into a debate in a, in committee, but it's usually unclear. I think that's part of what the, the clarity of what's going on isn't there. They're usually not hosted. There's not like the two dudes at the side of like dodgeball talking about exactly what's going on. Like, Hey, Oh, here's why he said that. And this is what, what this means to this decision that's about to be made. Maybe no they should have that. They sh maybe they should have that, you know, have like a, like real political commentators. That's not, yeah. Who actually just explain what's going on and why the conversation matters. And I think maybe that would help. I never, like, honestly, this was not a topic <laughs> I thought about thinking about, but like, that's honestly genuinely a good idea that, wouldn't be hard to to create if it just started happening like i honestly we could pull up some c-span and just start commentating over it and put those videos out yeah and see I'm, how that looks we could i mean i i did a i did a couple of videos with like well there were there were kind of kind of asshole videos um, about like some political commentary like i would literally pause it and be like talk some trash <laughs> and then first play but well, it, it might not be bad yeah 
I, I think we, we can do a couple of those and see how it goes because I, I can ask questions to you. I'm like, hey, what? I like I understand how some of it works, especially now with like uh, I've been watching so many of these like congressional oversight committees, you know, yep. meetings or whatever, and they're really interesting. I, I love the whole like reclaim, reclaiming my time thing. Basically, shut the fuck up. I love that. Um, <laughs> every time it, it never gets old, and yeah, we should we should do some videos like that and like yeah, break some stuff down. Like it's kind of it's kind of a cool idea. I don't know. I was like, I never really thought about the commentator piece of that. Maybe making it more exciting and entertaining so that might go on the list we'll see it's, it's not it didn't make the top 10 but i made this list earlier so yeah. unfortunately uh where are we at we're number five yeah because we did number six was requiring an examination to run for office right yeah number five is gonna be controversial i think this might be one where we do finally kind of go a little bit deeper so number five would establish two different categories of citizens like well, you're is... either a citizen of the united states or you are a resident of the United States. This is totally a Starship uh, Troopers. Yeah, Starship <laughs> Troopers. Yeah. We talked about this being its whole own topic, and I do think this is one that would be able to rate a full deep dive. So residents would still get all of the benefits of being here, living here, getting what the government provides. They get the roads. They get all the other stuff. They're going to pay the taxes at the VAT tax, not the income tax. They're going to pay the taxes because they live here the same as everybody else. They just don't get to make the decisions. They can't run for office. They don't get to vote. You don't make the decisions until you meet the requirements for becoming a citizen, which well, I'll cover in number four. But that's the first part would be making it so that there's two categories, citizens and residents. I uh, It's controversial, but I, I will agree with that, especially given recent events. Um, I think people that have very low intelligence get to vote on things where I'm just like, Okay, but you know these are going to cause a lot of issues. I think they don't. A lot of people go to the uh, the voting booth and they, they put very little thought into what they're actually voting on. They're just they're just voting, you know, either down a party line or kind of like a cursory glance on what something is. And a lot of the times with some of these, um, you know, propositions or bills or who you're voting for, like it it becomes very confusing on what you unless you actually take the time to sit down and read it. There's times where you're going to vote a yes when yes means no. And it happens a lot, you know, but it happened in California with like Proposition 8, you know, where you had to vote um, no for gay marriage. And I was just like, that was so disingenuous and, and messed up. But, you know, if you're just an average Joe that, you know, I got, you know, work my job, you know, do whatever. I don't have time to really research this stuff, which I get. People are if you're stuck in like your, your loop and you, you, you have no cycles into educating yourself on, on our government. Um, then I get it. But at the same time, it's like you, you have the exact same amount of power as somebody else that has, you know, uh, a wealth of knowledge with government and they actually sit down and read every single thing that they're voting on. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, so, I'm, I'm with you on that. So like we're talking about with the going back to the T-shirt, right? So the scarcity versus abundance. If you're in a full scarcity mindset, you don't have don't necessarily have time to dedicate to making sure that you're contributing to that decision in a proper way. Now, I will say that I don't think that being smart or not being smart is a deciding factor for citizenship. No, no, to no. To vote or doing those other things. I think there's something more important um, that makes it so that I feel comfortable with that person being, uh, in, you know, again, in these two categories, being a citizen so that they're allowed to potentially run for office or to decide who gets to win in these offices or what decisions we make in the government. Um and I think that that other part is a little more important than necessarily being smart enough, especially if we do the right thing, which is if you have at least a high school education and now are potentially moving into the category where you could become citizens, 
you've had enough of an education in the government to understand what your responsibilities are because we already talked about there should be more civics classes and other stuff so if those things are in place those people about to make those decisions know what that impact is and would be more comfortable with until i have the ability and i have the cycles like you said to be able to intelligently contribute to that i'm gonna hold off on earning my citizenship until i'm ready to really really give it you know yeah yeah i totally agree i think we're gonna get into like i think your next one's probably gonna be something about civil service but um <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I see where you're going with this yep number four is that two years of service to your society is what earns you citizenship right so my thought on it is not intelligence it's not education it's not other qualifications it's empathy right it's putting some work in where your entire purpose is to serve other people right so your entire job your entire goal in life for those two years is to make sure that whatever it is that you're doing is contributing to other people's like well-being to their benefit your job is serving others and not just because you have to to make money but because it's a service right so that list would get very long in my opinion there are a lot of people who um like start this with military service and like we talked about that's like the, the starship troopers concept was yeah. military service citizenship in those country in that in that storyline but i think that there are a lot of other examples of organizations where two years worth of working for that organization and service to that organization would teach you enough about caring about other people and the empathy for others and this this concept of feeling like you're a part of a society that you want to give to and contribute to and be a part of and as long as you've got that feeling if you have the cycles you'll put the effort in and you'll right you'll do it with that effort and that intent in mind and maybe you know that you're in a place where i don't have the cycles yet so i'm going to do these two years worth of work to get myself into a position where i'm out of scarcity then i'll do my two years worth of service then i'll feel like i'm comfortable enough to vote and what i would bet too is a lot of people who do that service type job will find a love for that service and just continue to keep serving others and then earn their citizenship and just keep on going. You know? um, most people do. Like once you find that joy in helping other people, most people don't want to stop. You feel yeah. good doing it. Yeah, I, I agree. Even though I kind of dropped off help. Well, I, so I help people on service calls and stuff like that. It's a little different. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally um, dig this concept of having civil, some sort of civil service um this is i had this same idea like a long 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 time ago because when i said it everybody automatically was like oh well you can't everybody join the military it's like yeah so i'm not saying join the military obviously not everybody can join the military for a variety of reasons but there's not it's pretty easy to get out there and like i don't know um work in an office of, for a senator or you know somebody in the house or you know just uh, understand you know like, like how your mayor office works or join the peace corps or you know, do other local programs that are in your community community to understand what your community stands for, um, how America really works, things like that. I mean, it gets back to what really makes a patriot, and you can't um, you can't really make somebody a patriot. Um, the the best way to to have somebody be a patriot is to show them how awesome their country is, right? And they they will automatically be inclined to become a patriot because they want to make our country better. But to force them into thinking like you know. Oh, you should be a patriot because you're an American, but it's like America has to show why um, they are deserving of you to be to be a patriot. You know what I mean? Like show how awesome this place is. And I think that's the way to do it because I think that a lot of people today they don't understand um, why America is great, or at least it was. I mean, it's it's still pretty great. Let's be honest. 
it's a pretty awesome place. Um, but if you don't see other parts of the country, if you don't see other parts of the world, if you don't understand how America oper- operates, then these are all just foreign concepts to you. Yeah. Well, I think too, so like, I could come up with, you know, a half a dozen, a dozen examples right now just to list off some things. And you did a few too. And I think that what it would need to be is a process established to say you have an organization and you could fill out, you know, like all government things do, fill out this form, this this form that is the standard form that says, tell us the stuff about your organization. If you fill out this thing and you meet these criteria, you, working at your organization could count as service to others. Yeah. So like I always use the example like the park service. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Your Your whole job is to like take care of nature and make sure that people who are coming to explore nature and enjoy nature have a great place to go and enjoy it. It's preserving, you know, something great. And I think that would be one freaking postal service. Even your job all day, every day is to bring, you know, joy to people's life through the letters, connectivity to each other's life. The shipments we're all getting today because we're stuck in our houses to yeah. keep us having joy. Um, even just like a librarian, like if you're serving at a public library and working there for two years, that should count. Like, your whole job all day long is to make sure that the books are where they're supposed to be. So when people want to come get them, they can find them, putting those back, helping people find what it is they're looking for. Like that job, just being in a library a lot, like you know that those people, like that's their whole goal is to make sure that me as a customer in a library can find what I'm looking for. So I think it, I, I guarantee that there is a way to corrupt that a little, right? So you're like Walmart suddenly becomes a service organization. Yeah. And two years there and you're voting. Um, and then the, you know Walmart would somehow in your contract require you to vote certain ways or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think See it's weird thing with it. But as long as that process has some kind of a requirement to meet certain criteria and those are clearly laid out in it, um, I think we could help to limit that happening. But you're never going to stop corruption entirely. No, no. Yeah, and I, I think that people that think that we are very uh, they're very foolish because you know human nature for a lot of humans is. How can I how can I get the the most amount of the most out of something with the least amount of work? And there's a whole subset that's all, that's always going to be there. You're never going to get rid of it. And so that's part of why this concept marginalizes those people's ability to impact uh, those who are giving like giving and caring about other people. If all you're concerned about is yourself, and you've never wanted to even dedicate two years worth of your life, which in the big picture of things is a very small amount of time. Yeah. Um, to learn and interact with people in a way that forces you to kind of learn. And I could imagine situations where at the end of that two years, you need an evaluation from a supervisor that says you did or did not actually learn from your two years there. This person really didn't spend their two years learning service to others. Um, These two years do not qualify. Boom, you're back to like starting over and needing to figure out somewhere else where you can maybe learn service. Um, So I can see that too. Like you need to actually become a better person at the end of that two years so that you can maybe understand better what your decisions and the impacts they can have. I like it. it promoting altruism. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> All right. So where are we at? Uh, number three, man, we're getting up there. Yeah. All right. So number three, so this one's going to be kind of using words that people may not like to use in the United States, unfortunately. So this would be using parliamentary apportionment for parties. So um, this might need some explanation. Yes, please. <laughs> so I use Canada as the primary example, mm-hmm. um, but generally, what's up? No, you're good. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. 
No, you're good. I thought. I, thought I, was, I was turning my heater off. <laughs> so generally, like the definition of saying something is is apportioned for parliament or in a parliamentary manner um, means it's done in a ratio equal to the amount of votes something earned. So you'll find in like parliament in most countries that in order to even establish a majority, you have to build a coalition government, right? So you'd have the major party, like the one that earned the most votes, still only having like 30 or maybe 40% if they're a big party um, of the seats in any one of those parliaments. So then they have to find someone else for every single topic that they're about to vote on. Like, hey, I know that this group of people, this party or whatever, that maybe has 8% of the seats, that party automatically will agree with us on this topic. So on this topic, we'll form a coalition. And then we need to get 2% more or 3% more in order to win this vote. So can we find one or two, three more of these seats that there's a person in that party or there's another party that maybe on this particular topic will agree. So you have to kind of actually work for it, figure out um, where you can make compromises a little bit um, on the subject to, to meet the best solution for everybody, right? Um, so I think that if we did house seats that way, we would be a lot better off where uh, you kind of just vote. So the way, um, the way it generally works in the provinces in Canada, uh, each party would be able to basically nominate the total number of seats for their state's represent or their, their province's representatives to go to parliament. So if there were 11 seats in one particular province, every single party who can put people on the ballot, they put 11 names on this ballot, every single one of them, boom. So there's 11, 11, 11, 11 for every single party. And then most people are gonna vote for their party, right? So they're gonna vote for all 11, but they're still only gonna get a certain percentage of the total votes, right? So you can vote for yours and I can still only vote for one, so I vote for mine, my one that I like out of our 11. And so once the party earns 15% of the total number of ballots across the state or the province, that's how many seats we get. So they figure out what 15% is. That okay, you get these three seats. That party got three seats. The top three of that party get those seats. Okay. Um, so it does a couple things, right? So anybody in that party who's running for seats and is not those top three, their name was still on a thing. People started getting name recognition. So if you're a new, new person to the party, new person to this platform, new person to getting into government, you're getting your name out there every single time there's an election, even if your name is still low on it while you're figuring out where things are and working other jobs. Um, but it also creates that diversity in the house that I think is necessary to have a good dialogue and to kind of like create this requirement to actually find compromise. Because right now all we have to do is pick a side of a topic rather than understanding that there are no sides. It's always nuanced. It's a dodecahedron. It's not a, it's not a, a flat piece of paper with one with two sides. Yeah, that's the way it's still working now. I mean, honestly, I think if we just had like a, we, we really, I think for, for that to really work, wouldn't we really need like a third party or third or fourth party for that to, to work kind of well? Because right now, I mean, no matter what, you're, you're only picking one or the other. Like, what, right. So I mean, do you remember, I can probably look it up real quick. I don't remember off the top of my head. You know what percentage, it's less than three, right? It's like two and a half or something like that, that Joe got, Joe Jorgensen? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So how many seats are there in the house right now? In the house? It's like over 500 or something like that, right? No. Uh, let's see. Or maybe it's I think it's 335, right? Or, yeah. Is it? So I, I trust you more than me. <laughs> two, 
percent or whatever, two two and a half percent of three hundred and thirty-five is still more than zero, which is how many independents there or how many libertarians there are in the house right now. So the idea being that if nationwide, each state um, getting their twenty or thirty or whatever it is, if you get two to five percent, you get a seat, and then your now each of the states is sending one or two people. Well, now you have fifteen people sitting in the house. That's enough to start saying, like, hey, we want to have a part of this conversation. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah. Next year, you get more. And then the next year, you get more because people are becoming aware of it. And then suddenly, there's 5, 10, 15 parties, and it takes it takes more. Like, actually, I do want to know what are the current number of parties in the um, uh, parliament in London, in England, because that's – or in, in the UK, because uh, – Yeah, because obviously, the way, the way we're doing it now, it's like – the way our government works is basically binary and it's like, it's so, it's so wrong because we can't just be binary. We like, we have, there's so many different parts of this country that have so many different kinds of problems. It's like, even when you take like things that are more like right leaning problems, like when you have like, say a farmer in like Montana, the, the farmer in Montana is going to have different needs than a farmer in Texas. You know what I mean? And my, my needs uh, in the Bay area of California are going to be way different from, you know, somebody's needs in New York. And the fact that we can't even account for those sorts of nuances in, uh, you know, in our government, it's like, it's so ridiculous to me that we just have like these, these two parties that are, they're not really serving the people that much anymore. I mean, they, I understand they're, they're trying, but there's so many like landmines that you have to step through or around or just step on, I guess, um, in government that has to do with like lobbying and like just dealing with like just the way they, that they normally work, um, it just it needs to change. I think these are all really good steps to get those changes. So you got the number for the UK? So there are twelve parties currently wow. in in Parliament in the UK. They are the Conservative Party, Labour Party, Scottish National Party, uh, Liberal Democrat, Democratic Unionist, Sinn Fein, whatever that is, Independent, Plaid Simru, Social Democratic and Labour Party, Alliance, the Green Party, and there's actually the Speaker Party. Huh. And those are interestingly three Alliance Green Party and Speaker have one person and they all have like legit seats like they're they're going to be there for I guess a while right however yeah two years or three years or however long their seats are for uh Social Democrats two Plaid three Independence four Sinn Féin seven Democratic Unionist eight Liberal Democrat 11 Scottish National 47 Labor 200 all of them together still don't have a majority over the Conservative Party though so realistically Conservatives can do whatever they want to do oh yeah. Well, but, it's still, yeah. Yeah, you could convince if you could convince some of the conservative party to then agree with something else and get everybody else to agree on that, you could now potentially change something. But uh, I, I don't think the way our system is working right now that we would ever end up with a majority like that. That's a huge majority right now, which is kind of crazy. I didn't expect it to look that way. Yeah, um, I think it'll probably change, especially after the whole Brexit thing. So I think that's going to change. There's there's been a lot of pushback from the conservative side or from the the other sides other than conservatives. So. Yeah. 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 The more topics like that come up, the more fractured things get, but then you can still on a specific topic find agreements. And that's what I think is great about that kind of a system where it's lots of different groups with specific beliefs, but there's bound to be some alignment on specific topics. Yeah. I mean, even in our you know current system with, with just like the Democrats alone, like we already, we have people that consider themselves, you know, democratic socialists or democratic, whatever, like there, there's already like, you know, within the parties, yeah. there's, parties within the parties but the fact that they can't break off break off and like do their own thing you know is an issue it's like if you look at like a bernie sanders you know um he wants things more socialist ish 
you know, than most of his other party members. But the fact that he is just forced to just be in this one party that, you know, the vast majority of them don't really necessarily agree with him, I think is kind of an issue. He's probably just have his own freaking party, you know, but it, but you can't do so that right now. Him looking all curmudgeon sitting there all angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was so shocked. I don't think I've ever seen, like, a very serious, like, government-slash-political character become that big of a meme that was oh yeah great i love what he did with it though you saw how he um he started selling shirts um for it like or there were hoodies and it all, all went to charity and the woman that made his gloves um she like sold out instantly with, like her gloves <laughs> i thought that i mean that was awesome i was everybody's changing it making it everywhere it was pretty funny yeah they even had jujitsu ones i was like oh damn <laughs> <laughs> they had him doing an arm bar <laughs> doing an arm bar yeah <laughs> that's funny basically there's one for everything at this point now yeah yeah i think we're, we're on number two awesome we are in the top two all right number two you're gonna know this one already and it's probably not what you expected you probably thought this was my number one what is it what do you think my number one would be oh man now i'm drawing a blank uh god damn it <laughs> huh the first thing we talked about dude i can't remember honestly i'm drawing a blank <laughs> so proportional representation in the house yeah jesus christ numbers up we need the house of representatives to blow up it needs to be huge not blow up like explosives yeah. a lot more. <laughs> um because right now it's it's not a representation of the united states population like the average person which is what it's supposed to be um do you know which um, members of like the federal government get paid? What do you mean get paid? Like you got to. So not. They're not getting paid. Some people don't get paid. Really? Like people like that are part of Congress, or yeah, to... yeah I did not know that. So senators don't get a paycheck. So how do they? They're expected to have enough of wealth to be able to make it by serving for a little while that that is so dumb are you serious yes because because they are supposed to be the elitists right they're supposed to be this branch of our government that is is supposed to be already looking out for the wealthy and looking out for those who already oh, have right Jesus. so they're supposed to be the ones who like there's already enough income coming in from over here i can come i can serve for a term or two or three there's no reason to do it for life but they do um today because they're using it to then make that extra money over there um yeah, yeah they don't get paid. As as I, unless something's changed the last time i looked let me see how much does a senator get paid let's look that up i mean it's got to be something i mean I, I can't imagine i mean it actually wouldn't be surprising though to me like now i think about it because like so many of them are <laughs> get paid. Yeah, they get paid. yeah they get paid it's like almost close to two hundred thousand, right oh uh, yeah 174 now well, I think the problem. Well, I think what you're probably thinking about is the fact that most of them are wealthy, and they're all like basically millionaires. It was just yeah, quite so odd. Little, I don't know where I was basing that off of, but they're supposed to not get paid. Anyways, the idea was supposed to be that the house is still supposed to be just your average person. That's the goal. That's what it's supposed to look like. So we had a whole episode on it. You, if you have watched up to this point, you already watched it. But if you're just showing up, then you got to go back and watch the very first episode. It's a good one. Uh, really deep on why proportional representation in the House of Representatives is important. 
Um, but yeah, I put it as number two. It's not my number one. So what would be number one for you then? Oh, that was the twist. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We have talked about it briefly, but number one, require that any, any executive order must directly reference the law, the actual law that already exists, that it is being used to like make explanations for. Wow. Yeah. I'm thinking about like all the executive nonsense that's going on like lately because uh, you know my thoughts on executive orders say again they are not allowed to legislate they don't yeah. make laws in the executive yeah and i think it's been totally abused um i, I would have thought that your number one or somewhere in your top 10 would have been to like kind of curtail um executive power but i guess number one that would be sort of curtailing their executive power so yeah because you can't just write an executive order creating something out of nothing which is what they keep doing it has to already be a law and all you're doing is trying to explain to your organizations because that's how the executive the executive's responsibility is to enforce and enforce the laws that legislative creates so like the fact that you create a dea right you write that because you have this law that says we're going to crack down on drugs and we're going to try to stop drugs in the united states so we must have an organization that does that so we create an organization we create the drug enforcement agency we write all the rules for that and all of that is based on an executive order and that would be okay because there is a law that the congress has said this is the thing we need to have happen you write the executive order that says this is how you implement that law um but you know to write a law that says exactly or write an executive order that says exactly how states need to distribute covid vaccines when there's no law anywhere that has anything to do with that, has nothing to do with the executive branch. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because, you know, I, I think that the executive branch has entirely too much power. And I, I say it all the time, and I'll keep saying it until it changes. Um, I think there needs to be a president that um, has to, like, take a loss and, like, actually remove power. And it's very, it's only happened, like, once or twice, right? I think it was with, uh, was it Lincoln that did it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he's, because he, he of like he did both sides like consolidated and then pushed it back to where it needed to be yeah but it takes somebody of that caliber um to do it but i mean today people are just so into like just gaining more and more power and it's like more and more power isn't necessarily a good thing like you, you, like we're seeing it today with all these issues that we're having like yeah um we're having issues with you know with covid and all that stuff but you know you just you know doing an executive order on you know distribution or you know whatever when we could have been having legislation that was actually had direct um, cash relief to, you know, all your constituents. I think that's far more valuable. You know what I mean? And even with like the, the COVID um, distribution, yeah, it's a problem, but it maybe work with the governors and make it not a problem. Like, Hey, uh, all you governors, what do you actually need to like make this distribution better? Cause I think it's like West Virginia, like they've um, they're doing like, I'm pretty sure it's West Virginia. You might want to fact check me, but they have done the the most streamlining with their distribution. Like they're number one on getting the vaccines out at this point in time because they decided to actually listen to all their local governments and like to see what they needed. Because like a lot of places are like, oh, well, we'll just use CVS, you know, as our distribution method. Well, you know, if you live in rural West Virginia, there's no CVS near you. So how does that help? Um, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I think that what they should have done is sort of like a, like a hybrid model, they should have looked at what the WHO did to like eliminate a lot of diseases where they literally had to go from village to village and like did it that way, you know, cause we like a lot of America, there's not a lot of people that are, you know, in these, some of these areas, 
But if you had like a whole task force that actually went door to door, you know, this, this could have, you know, this could have been done a lot better. But we're using these really weird, you know, hub and spoke distribution models when that's not how America is designed. You know, yeah, it's designed that way in like, you know, urban areas, but not if you live in like the country. Yeah. Not when the whole center part of your entire continent has very, very low density. <laughs> yeah. There's not much anywhere around like St. Louis. And then there's nothing. For yeah. all, <laughs> all you look at out at Missouri, like, like all those central areas. So North Dakota has actually surpassed West Virginia uh, to take first. Okay. For act- distributing doses throughout the state. However, um, that's based on a percentage, right? Yeah. yeah. And total number of West Virginia is still ahead of them but only because there's nobody in north dakota yeah yeah let's to the frozen you got all 12. good job yeah <laughs> i'll tell people and that dog it's a two thousand, but still yeah but yeah i mean as long as you, i think if you listen to your to your people and just don't like do blanket statements i think that that would really help i mean even here in california it's like the california is basically it's like five different states in one state like seriously like probably even more than that if you really think about it, because you have like the Northern California, which is like really north north, the Bay Area, the Valley, then you got like the desert where you're at, um, yep. and you have like Los Angeles and then SoCal. I think those are two like totally different places. And then like Orange County is like weird too. So, I would say if you lumped like all of the SoCal stuff, LA plus Orange plus um, San Diego together, there wouldn't be too much of a dispute. But yeah, out here it's definitely different. Um, what's interesting is it's it's one of the largest geographical districts in California uh, as far as like voter districts go, um, and it's like the only red one around. Yeah, <laughs> really, really weird. Um, and looking at the people here and talking to people, um, I am super surprised that this this district hasn't gone gold already. Like these people are one hundred percent libertarians. They still know it. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, um, Orange County is it's usually red too, isn't it? At least when I was there, it was super red. I don't know, I don't know, but there's a couple. But I meant like it's definitely when you just look at the map, like it stands out because it's a big area. Oh yeah, yeah. So it goes red, and you just see it huge. So there's probably some smaller ones that I, I didn't see when I looked at the map because I was curious because uh, we did talk about retiring and staying here. I was like, okay, if that's the case, then would this be a smart place for me to try to get into politics and. uh it could work. I think that this community would be a place I could see, you know, talking to and convincing to maybe look towards a new option. That'd be pretty cool, especially because yeah. it's easy to get out there and see the people because there's not a lot of people. Well, as far as, far as California goes. Yeah, it's a big area, though, yeah. <laughs> All the way out into the woods, in the desert. I think it'd be Although, cool, though. I, I like motorcycle scenes, I mean. Yeah, yeah. So you got that... You got the zero. Do you have another bike other than zero bike? Not anymore. So I've had, this is, so I rode motorcycles a lot as a kid, dirt bikes and stuff. Probably one of my favorite stories of somehow surviving death is for me on a dirt bike. But, um, I had my first motorcycle as an adult was like years, years, years later. And I, I had completely forgotten the same way I did with Lego. Like you forget these things that you just, just loved and like defined you, you know, growing up. Um, and then kind of rediscover them later in life. So I went to Afghanistan and we got tasked um, to train Afghan motorcycle couriers. So, you know, they, they come into the group, like to get everybody together, like, hey, who, who's ever ridden a motorcycle? Who? I'm like, I used to ride motorcycles all the time. They're like, hey, come here. 
So they gather us all together, like we're going to run all you guys through a basic BRC course to become instructors for a basic rider. Like it's called basic rider course yeah. or basic motorcycle rider course. And then we're going to have you week after week after week after week after week train a group of Afghan to like ride motorcycles, how to ride them, how to go off road, how to hit hills, how to move quick, how to get behind cover, how to draw your weapon from the, the side arm, everything. That's really cool. And yeah, train them to be couriers. I'm like, I got to do that. That's pretty, that's pretty freaking cool. So uh, it made me like, I remembered, like I had so many flashback memories to ride motorcycles. Like, I love this. So as soon as I got back, I was like, total the first thing I'm doing, the, the one thing I absolutely want to do when I get back, I'm going to be a motorcycle. <laughs> like I, I got to get everything done. There's a whole crap load of paperwork and information to do. But so I got a Yamaha V-Star 1100. Like this guy had lowered it. It was like, it was basically almost scraping the ground, riding flat. So, <laughs> I sat low. I'm super short. So like <laughs> sitting as low as possible, my feet, like I could just put my feet down, not even have to stand. <laughs> um, loved that bike. And so then sold it when I went to Okinawa. We were there for a year, a year before we really said like, I guess it must've been two. So two years and then we did the IFCOT. So ended up where we made a decision that we were gonna stay for at least six years in Okinawa total, right? And I've already been there for two. So I was like, hey, I could have made it three years without a motorcycle. I'm not doing six years without a motorcycle. Yeah. So I got a motorcycle after two years. Um, and then rode that most of the time there. What'd you, what'd you have there? Sell it, so. What, what bike did you have there? It was a Suzuki. It was a, it was basically a lot like the Yamaha V-Star. I managed to find one. Someone was selling like that thing looks exactly like my bike. I found out it was Suzuki, not the Yamaha, but they they're very similar models. Like a, the Boulevard is that the one? It was, yeah. I yeah. think it was in America. It was called the Boulevard. It just had a number in Japan. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's why I was like, I don't ever remember because it was like SX five three some something. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I want to get back into riding. So I have two motorcycles in my garage, just, just sitting there. I haven't rode either of them. One of them I haven't ridden in multiple years, which is sad because I put a lot of miles on it. And the yeah, other well, one, what's up? Why? Well, I have a, uh, well, the first reason why is because I bought a, a way faster bike, and but it's not as comfortable. I have an S1000RR, the BMW. And then I have a, um, a VFR Interceptor. So, okay. and the VF, VFR Interceptor is really, really comfortable. It's a sport touring bike. And then the, the BMW is just like an insane bike. I don't, I don't even know. It shouldn't be sold in stores. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> look at a picture of it because I couldn't, didn't recognize the name. And I immediately, whenever someone says BMW motorcycle, yeah, I go right. to something like what I got, which is very much like a off-roading or like long country touring with the big boxes on the back. That's where my head goes with the BMW motorcycle. Adventure, adventure bikes. Yeah. <laughs> like a jigsaw like that thing is like yeah but it's it's crazy fast yeah <laughs> but yeah i used to ride that uh all the time but then you know i got um you know a new kid and um i don't really go in the office anymore and i don't have i just don't have i don't have time maybe when she, get, maybe when she gets older and once covid is done um i'll start riding again but for right now it's just like eh. i mean it's it's just kind of a pain but i want to get back out there because I, I i used to love riding i used to I used to ride every weekend at least, what, three, 400 miles, just like going on canyon runs in SoCal. I put like 30,000 miles on my bike in like in one year. So I used to ride a lot. Well, maybe I'll have to look into the, the quick charge package and find charging stations between here and there. We can find somewhere to ride and meet and like go on a hill ride or something. I can come all the way down to, to you. I don't mind because I think uh, some some of the more fun roads that I'm more familiar with are in SoCal. So they're probably still far from you, but they're definitely farther from me. So, <laughs> um, 
So that covers my top ten. Did you did you have any one of those in particular that you were either surprised by or wanted me to like maybe for sure cover them more later? Uh, well, the executive uh, order thing. I like that having it tied to actual laws. I think that that was that will significantly bridge the gap um, between you know the executive and the leg, leg, legislative branch because you can there's no more just running roughshod over over yeah. everything. So yeah, I, I really like that idea. That that's that's a really good number one. I think there's I think there's there's room for the argument to say the president needs a different medium, right? So there's a different thing that they would need, some kind of public message, some kind of other official document, right, that they could publish that says, this is a this is my position on it. This is how I think we as a society, as a nation should be acting, right, or doing or whatever. And they could use that other less official but still official method to guide things like this COVID pandemic situation and, and take action to not just be sitting there and be like, I don't know, it's not, I don't have a law that tells me I'm supposed to do this because that's dumb. We all know we're not going to accept that from the executive. Like, you need to be in charge of stuff. So you could, like, if the, the problem like we have right now with COVID stuff would be having a communications method between you and the governor saying, these are the things you need to do in order to get this whole thing under control so that we as a, a nation have a, a, a focus on a specific goal and we're rowing in the same direction, right? Um, but it doesn't need to be an executive order because executive orders were specifically designed as guidance to the executive branch for how to implement laws that were passed, but they've been not used that way for quite some time. So I think we, we, the, the right way to fix it would be creating a new, a new messaging system from the executive that says this is important, but it's not a law that I'm enforcing. Yeah, I feel like right now with like the executive and legislative branch, there's not really a whole lot of real substantive like communication between the two. Because I see yeah. like, you know, Congress doing like their thing, and then you have you know the president who just starts writing executive orders. So yes, yes, he does write, he does you know sign uh, bills and stuff like that from the legislative branches, but it's just like the fact that you can just override or veto something that you don't like, and it's just like it seems very odd to me that. The veto thing is is really weird because it's like if they all voted on it, how can one guy just say or one person just say nah, I'm good. <laughs> like, so uh, that's part of why it's there. It's so that in the event that the mob took over the house somehow and was running on something that they probably shouldn't be and maybe didn't put enough thought into, they could say go back and try again because if they come back with sixty six percent, it passes. I don't care what you said. So if this is really a thing, if you are 100% serious about this, go back and get everybody to agree. And I, I, I have to sign it. I can't, I can't not sign it. Um, all a veto is, is saying, are you sure this is something you want to do? Maybe reconsider your wording or maybe something in this has consequences you didn't consider and I need you to fix something in it or, uh, you know, you're going to need to get everybody to agree at a lot larger ratio because it's definitely hard to get a 66 percent so that's that's kind of why that's there and i I don't think it's a bad thing having the veto because if it's important enough we can make it pass yeah i remember that being talked about when um i guess president trump when he was talking about vetoing the uh, one of the stimulus packages and they were just the republicans were just like well we're just gonna we're gonna pass it anyway so we're like well we'll have the votes (laughs) so thought that was interesting and again, it would mean on the details making sure that the bipartisan stuff is there um because there'd be a couple things like they're going to agree yes the stimulus passion pa- the stimulus package has to go 
but let's just decide the the nuancey stuff. Um, so you put that up there. They like I'm a veto. I'd be like, go ahead, we're gonna pass it because trust me, we've already all agreed that this is something that needs to happen. Especially if you and I think if in the first vote, it goes up with enough votes from Congress to pass that bar already, it can't be vetoed. Okay, so it's only when it's like so kind of close. Have to do the stupid back and forth dance. You don't yeah. have to if the votes are already there. Okay, that makes sense. I do have a question for you. Oh, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. I'll say that would just be like a an understanding between them like you just know like look we already did it yeah i have a question it's it, it seems to be like a i don't know if it's always been a trend in our government uh especially with well, with congress specifically but why do they keep putting all of these bills in a package like why aren't we just passing bills like kind of one at a time like I, i've noticed especially with, like these like we'll take the stimulus package for an example like they keep adding in all this other extra nonsense into these bills that have nothing to do with um, actual COVID nineteen relief to the to the, to the people. They'll they'll yeah. throw in all this extra BS. Like why why are we doing that? Uh, let me see. Let me let me look something up because I did have one. I wanted to look a term up before I say it to make sure I'm thinking of the right thing. Sure, sure. Um, I will I'll BS for time. So basically, like if you look at the the any of the stimulus packages that we've had um, recently, is that they keep adding in stuff that will give corporations like more money. Or like these weird like slush funds, and if they don't use the money, it goes to like somebody else that it wasn't intended for. And it seems yeah. like very odd. You find the term? Yeah. So and I knew I was gonna mess it up because in my head I was thinking pork belly, because probably because of keto. Yeah, but, <laughs> pork belly is great. Uh, it's, it's pork barrel. Yeah. Right? So pork barrel concepts are where it ninety nine percent of the time boils down to getting the votes right so this is the primary objective of this bill we need to do this thing but i i only have enough votes to get like 40 percent. I, I can't get the rest of the way so i have to get across the threshold to get this thing passed hey what would i need to do to convince you to agree to this part so that we can get this thing passed well it's really important for me if we do this which has zero to do with what this is like okay let's add that in there boom slam that in there so now this bill passes in order to accomplish mission primary number one or whatever, but it now has all these tail end things in order to get those extra 10 votes or whatever that I needed in order to get my bill passed. That was really, really important. Um, is it right? No, because generally a lot of the funds that should have went here get sucked into these other things as well. Um, but then, you know, the other option is you don't get the bill passed that you needed passed. So we either don't have any stimulus fund or we have a stimulus fund that has all this pork barrel stuff added to it. How do you fix that? You have any ideas on that? <laughs> yeah, I had one. I think we did talk about it one time too, which was like require that any bill that's passed just has one purpose. Now, what you would need to do to make those agreements that I just described, because you would still have to do that. You just have to write another bill. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, look, I guarantee, I, I promise to endorse your bill that we will write up. Like I will sit with you and we will write it to pass this thing you're saying you want to pass if you also vote for my bill. Like, hey, you vote for this one, I'll help you write this up and pass it through. That's like the, you'd have to do those kinds of negotiations instead, but we would just need another law that says like, you can't be adding anything that's not directly related to it. So now say, say you're like, hey, we're writing up a stimulus package for COVID. And someone's like, hey, I want a specific tailor in there that says West Virginia gets this kind of distribution so that uh, I know that these kinds of things that maybe only apply to my state are in there. And I know that that'll get taken care of. Yeah, sure. That's fine. 
because it's still tied to the primary topic. Yeah. All you're doing is specifying things that you know your state needs. And I, I wouldn't know that. Like you're going to know that because you're from that state. So that's great. Those are okay things. But when like it's a COVID stimulus bill and you're like, I need a motorcycle path. Yeah. I don't know if those two things are related. Like, yeah. No, you can't add that to it. Yeah, I like this the single bill idea. I think that that would definitely definitely help because yeah, just it always confuses me. I'm just like, why are we putting all this extra stuff in there? But yeah, I, I see now they're basically doing um, not underhanded deals, but they're just like not even quid pro quo. It's just like it really basically, is. Quid pro quo. Is it really? Yeah. Basically, it's hey, look if if you'll agree to the primary, I'll add on some stuff for you. Yeah, yeah, sing, single bill thing, single purpose. Yeah, I, I like that a lot more. So I think it's like, and I, I kind of wrote it into my notes for, for my concepts. I put single bill, and then right after that, I wrote in two bills. Because any bill should be two, actually, right? Because there's the legal copy, and then there's the one meaning you can read yeah. and understand what the general concept is. Because that still needs to be a thing, too. <laughs> yeah, I think it would also give, you know, members of Congress time to actually read the bills. You know, if you just did them one at a time. And at least the ones that you care about, too, by having it in two versions. Like, you get the... You can get the plain English version from the guy who wrote the wrote the one and is bringing it up and really wants that to get through. You grab the plain English version; it's probably two or three pages at most. You can read the whole thing, get the good summary, and be like, "Okay, I want to read the full legal version because this thing sounds interesting. This sounds like something I would want to get in on and fight for." Yeah. And then you read the whole eighty-page, two hundred-page freaking legal document with your lawyer buddy sitting next to you, like, hey, "What does this line mean? Let's let's go through this in detail." Um, then get with whoever wrote that bill. Like, yeah, you're, when do you take this to committee? I want to come in and talk about it too. And let's let's make sure this thing gets. But you have no idea that that bill even exists in committee because it's 800 pages long and that's the only copy of it. And I'm not reading that thing. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's ridiculous, especially sometimes when they actually give the timeframes of like when they're supposed to read these documents. I'm just like, some of them are like a, a day or two. I'm just like, how are you supposed to read all this stuff in a day or two? Yeah. Like, get out of here. You put it in one of those like digital, hey, read this document to me things. It still wouldn't even finish it in that amount of time. No, even if you sped it up, (laughs) which is what people do sometimes. So, all right. I think this is might be our shortest one so far, but it's okay because you don't need to have all of our podcasts don't need to be three hours long. (laughs) No, actually, they probably shouldn't. (laughs) So, yeah, I think it would end up we're going to scare people off if we keep them all too long. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. So, I'm okay with ending it here if you are. Yeah, that was all I really wanted to do was kind of give a list of things. But the, the the thing I would ask for, I guess, for those who did stick through this long and, and got all of those topics and maybe even kind of our sidebar ones like this, you know, um, every bill should have only a single topic or that any bill needs to have two copies, one that's a legal version, one that's in plain English. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to saying also making one in Spanish, but that's just... <laughs> thing. Um, I mean, I have no problem. I like the idea. If, if you think that one of these is more important, put it in the comments because the reality is that most people can only do any one thing in any position that they get into for the amount of time that they have um, in any of the billets or positions. So if I ever get around to it and it hasn't been done yet, I'd probably need to just pick one and focus on that one thing that seems like I could maybe actually get it done to hopefully make a difference. Um, yeah. And it's crazy to think that I've kind of dedicated my life in more ways than just one towards that objective, towards getting into a position where I could maybe make a difference 
and make one of these things happen because I know the reality is trying to accomplish all I think that's at 13 we've said in this list instead of 10 13 things we've discussed today and I'm sure there are more um, makes one of them happen if I can get one thing done then I would have accomplished something which is a sad state like for our government but I would at least feel like I made a difference yeah, no, I mean, it, all of these are really great ideas that have the potential to vastly improve the lives of Americans, which should be the point of anybody in government, right, is to improve Chewy. the lives of Americans. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully that was interesting and you learned something. I learned something. And you you learn that I forget shit sometimes. Ha, ha, ha. Favorite thing. Yeah, yeah. If, it, if I could pass any one of them, it would definitely be like making the house just get huge because because that would do two things. I feel like it would make make my goal, which was is to hopefully someday make a difference and, and correct some of the problems we have. It would make that same goal for other people easier, right? Because they could there could be more people who could get to that spot and have this conversation with the house and maybe make some people think more about it. and think maybe we should change some things. Maybe we should shake things up a little. Um, and that would be a huge, huge thing for me. I would like that. I would feel like it was worth it. it all the effort and time and learning and studying and stuff. Yeah, I think it would, would be even cooler with that is if, if as we expanded, you know, more parties got representation in there. Yeah. Because yeah, that, that's the way, that's one of the other things that we really need. But I think that obviously if you expand it, you have a higher chance of that happening. Right. Yes. Very. Definitely. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's a great idea. All right. I think with that, uh, we it? We good? Yeah. No? Good chat, man. Yeah, thanks Appreciate as always. It. Thank you very much. Later, y'all. Yep. Yeah.